Hello, and welcome to the Ruby for Your Thoughts podcast. I'm your host, Erlanda Ruby, and this is episode 10, the big one Today, we're going to be talking about what I'm calling the millennial dilemma. And honestly, I thought that I had made this up, but apparently it's a real thing. And what made me think of it was, do you guys remember when Steve from Blue's Clues made a video telling us he's okay and how he left Blue's Clues to go to college and then he gave us a pep talk saying that we're all gonna be okay? (laughs) Well, I felt weirdly emotional about it and I did what any person who is struck by a pop cultural event does. I went on Twitter and quickly realized after scrolling that I wasn't alone. So the first thought that came to my mind was, I think we're all experiencing some sort of existential burnout or millennial dilemma. So yeah, that is what inspired the episode for today. I have a definition and an understanding of what that means to me, but as I was doing the research for my episode, I Googled, what is millennial dilemma? (laughs) And let me tell you, the results were a lot. It was wild, but also very insightful. So. I'm going to talk to you about what the millennial dilemma is. Then I'm gonna share some insights about the research that is out there. There are actually some full blown reports that are literally called the millennial dilemma. And one was done by Stanford in 2019 for their Pathways magazine on poverty, inequality, and social policy. And another report was published in August of 2020 by the New Cities Foundation, which is a global nonprofit committed to shaping a better urban future and it's headquartered in Canada. So this report was created with the focus of, you know, how millennials impact the future of urban living, but they also include very interesting insights. So I'll be citing information from both of these reports. And lastly, I'll be discussing an article from the Harvard Business Review titled, Why Your Late 20s is the Worst Time of Your Life. (laughs) So these will all be linked on the Ruby for Your Thoughts blog post. And then I'm gonna end the episode with three things to reflect on after today's episode. And if you're not a millennial, this episode is still important to listen to. And let me tell you why. Because you're either currently working with, managing, or are employed by millennials. And that's straight facts. So gaining perspective is always useful, right? If you're a millennial, you've probably noticed that the eldest of our millennial cohort are in their early 40s now, and more than half of the millennials living in the U.S. have already entered their 30s. We are now the largest adult cohort worldwide. We are entering peak adulthood, people. We are quite literally doing adulting live and in color. Now, when looking at millennials globally, there are 1.8 billion around the world, which equals about 23% of the global population. Okay, so what is the millennial dilemma? When this thought first came to me, this meant that we live in this strange in-between state of growing up using cassette tapes and also grew up trying to download music using LimeWire. (laughs) We grew up using dial-up and AIM Messenger and also grew up using Wi-Fi and MySpace. Beyond just technology and the beginnings of social media, we also grew up in a world where not everyone knew or told their business to everyone on the internet, and we experienced what it was like to not be super available all the time. Straight up, I remember calling my best friend's landline and having to ask, is Willianne home? (laughs) And And this would happen like 10 times a day because we were always on the phone. 
Then social media happened and all of a sudden we were in a world where we're constantly inundated with knowing what anyone who we've ever met is doing and also sharing everything we're doing. It's overwhelming. So to me, the millennial dilemma is this juxtaposition of love me, but don't look at me, but wait, why aren't you looking at me? We're constantly learning to navigate the impacts of being raised in the transition stages of key shifts that impact our societal ecosystem. Beyond just technology and social media, some of us experienced trying to get jobs when the recession hit, like you graduated and then the recession happened. And even more recently experienced losing a job because of the pandemic. We saw our parents work the same jobs for 30 years and heard stories about them buying a house when they were in their 20s. We were told to go to school, get an advanced degree, racked up student debt, graduated, and found that it's still really hard to get a job even with a degree, and pay hasn't yet caught up to the amount needed for graduates to feel comfortable paying student loans and saving for a home. And then we go on social media and see Gen Z influencers with mansions earning money for making dance videos on TikTok, which is a grind in and of itself, but some of us, millennials, didn't have the luxury of living with our parents when influencing was a career option. So we didn't have the comfort of living at home and having no bills, therefore dedicating all our time to making content. So, okay, let's look at some of the reports I mentioned earlier. When looking at the Stanford Pathways Millennial Dilemma Report, they're trying to figure out if the labor workforce challenges experienced by our generation was generic generational experience or distinctive to millennials specifically. And I'll save you 60 pages of reading and I'll, I'll just tell you, they concluded that this is a very distinctive, meaning unique experience, but one that could be addressed by pursuing policy reforms that target the economic, racial, and gender problems faced during our time. And we're learning slowly that the way that the world looked when these assistance programs and political infrastructures were made is a world that we just don't live in anymore. This report also found that the median income and earning of millennials is lower than Gen Xers, that is the generation before us, and we have lower rates of home ownership, and there is even more of a massive gap when looking at young adult home ownership by race. Millennials are more likely than previous generations to identify as multiracial. Millennials are also more likely to adopt, adopt unconventional gender identities, such as reporting that they see themselves as equally feminine and masculine. Let's dive a bit deeper. The New City's Millennial Dilemma Report states, more than a third of millennials now in their 30s have college degrees compared to less than a quarter in their parents' generation. But after a pair of unprecedented economic shocks, roughly a decade apart, they've also experienced slower economic growth since entering adulthood than any other generation in U.S. history. Not only have millennials suffered more in the pandemic, but they had never really fully recovered from the last recession. As a result, they're less likely to own homes and more likely to be in pover poverty than boomers at the same ages. So that, that is a direct quote from the New City's Millennial Dilemma report. These are just some of the many findings discussed in these reports, but you're probably wondering, why is this even important for me to know? And I'm not telling you this to bum you out. I'm telling you this because this is the very re real reality of how our generation is experiencing life right now. And when you're scrolling on social media thinking everyone is fine and living their best lives, this is 
there is very real research out there to show that it's hard and what we're witnessing on social media really just is seeing people's highlight reel. So there's the HBR article I mentioned earlier titled Why Your Late 20s is the Worst Time of Your Life and it was written in 2016. So this is this was written before the pandemic and everything. And it identified the quarter life crisis as being in four stages. So stage number 1, being locked into a commitment, either a relationship, a job, housing, roommates, whatever. Number 2, ending that commitment and now feeling isolated. Number three, internal reflection, followed by exploring new interests. And number four, emerging from the crisis much happier and with a greater sense of purpose. So some people emerge and never look back, and some people repeat the cycle. Rinse and repeat, as they say. So a quarter-life crisis is a thing, and then pair that with the unique challenges our generation faced at a global scale. That's a lot. But research suggests that going through this crisis is extremely valuable as we age. People in their 40s and 50s have higher stress levels than their younger counterparts, but they don't jump into crisis mode. Why? Because those coping mechanisms that they developed as young adults during their quarter-life crisis have continued to strengthen them. The pains of being a 20-something may feel terrible when you're in the middle of it and also experiencing a pandemic and also experiencing social media and experiencing all of the things, but it really does improve your life in the future and your ability to handle the hard things in life that are thrown at you. All this to say, you're not alone. How you feel isn't weird. It's partly growing pains every generation goes through and partly unique to being a millennial experiencing growing pains during this particular time of history. But research shows that we'll feel better for it as we age. Have you ever met like a 50-year-old and they just feel calm and full of wisdom and maybe they don't have it figured out, but they just, they look at you and they're like, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. You're so young. We are. We are so young. So millennials, after hearing this, raise, you, raise your hand if you feel personally victimized by adulting. And if you are not raising your hand, then God bless, keep doing you and teach the people in your life how to be more like you. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I'm not saying all of this to have a pity party or to say that millennials have it the worst. I'm saying it so that we can take a collective sigh and be proud of ourselves for getting up every day and still trying to run towards a lifestyle and goals that are still being defined by our generation. We haven't seen anyone do it yet and experience the things that we've gone through. And also you're just, you're not alone. It's not weird to feel like you're constantly trying to learn how to navigate. If, you know, personally, there are days when I just feel existentially burnout, out, especially at the peak of the pandemic when the election was happening and the world was on fire because of politics and climate change. I think everyone, millennial or not, was feeling burnt out. But <laughs> I mean, basically it was a burnt pancake pandemic. But looking at it from a millennial lens, we have to show up and do great every day because we're in the thick of building our careers and establishing our professional reputation. So the wiggle room barely exists and we're also working on redefining norms and mental health and talking about the very real struggle it is to be an adult without coming off as whiny and self-centered. So the big takeaway for today, whether you're a millennial or not, is 
yes, this generation has experienced a lot, a lot of cur curveballs, a lot of transitions, a lot of social, economic, political, and emotional turmoil, but so did the generation before us, and so will the generation after us. These experiences are unique to us millennials because no other generation will go through this time of their adult life experiencing these specific events, but all generations had this in their own unique way. So the big takeaway is just to be kind, stop saying people are entitled because of the generation they were born in, and be proud of yourself for still trying to make the most of it every day. Understand that it really has been a lot and it will continue to be a lot. Life will not look like how your parents did and it will not look like what the younger generation's life will look like. But we're doing the best we can with the tools and resources we were given. And that's honestly all that we really can do. All right, so here are three things to reflect on after today's episode. And you know the drill, write these down and answer them either on paper or by recording a voice memo to yourself. Okay, so tip number one, imagine your emotions. It's okay, tip number one, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's a little bit psychology, like woo woo, but it works, just do it, just do it. Tip number one, imagine your emotions as a balloon and then follow that string down to find what specific thing or belief is the rock that keeps that balloon from flying away. If you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling like you're not doing enough, if you're feeling like you're looking at everyone else and everyone seems to have it figured out, but you don't, that, those are emotions filling that balloon. And then follow the string down and figure out, is it really my job? Is it really my life circumstances? Or is it this existential burnout making me feel like I'm a hamster on a wheel? Identifying this and compartmentalizing can help you start to deal with those emotions in bits that are actionable and approachable instead of obscure and throwing spaghetti at the wall trying to figure out what is going to make you happy. Tip number two, find ways to be a leader in your life or in parts of your life and in your own life. Be the leading person of your own life. But tip number two, find ways to be a leader. If you Google defining characteristics of millennials, you'll find that a common one is that we value meaningful motivation. We want to make a difference and lead that difference in some shape or form. For example, you can find someone at work that you wanna help put under your wing and help them grow you can volunteer your extra time into something that takes you outside of your home or outside of your work brain and into another immersive experience where you can lead using all of those skills and make a difference. So that's tip number two, find ways to be a leader. Tip number three, just own being a millennial and use it to your advantage. You're the bridge between the boomers and the zers. Own it. I hear people apologizing for having a millennial attitude or a millennial perspective all the time. And yes, another defining characteristic of our generation is that we are slightly more narcissistic than previous generations. And that's this emphasis on slightly. <laughs> but so what? Own it. We reflect internally so that we can be better externally. We focus on educating ourselves so that we can be informed and open to new ideas and changes. Own it. I'm a millennial and I'm self-absorbed, period. I value recognition and need meaning to motivate me, period. I may be self-obsessed, but at least I am self-aware, 
period. Love me, but don't look at me, but keep looking at me, period. <laughs> and I'll end this with a story about how I met America's and the universe's sweetheart, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I was at dinner celebrating graduation with my fiance and I turn around and see Neil deGrasse Tyson just sitting at a table by himself tasting different types of red wines like the baller that he is. So of, of course I fangirl and I run over wearing my UCLA graduation sash to go meet him and he was so nice. He immediately asked what program I graduated from and I said master's in public health and policy and he said wow, that's amazing. We really need more of you these days, especially. That is a really bad impression of him. He does not talk like that, but whatever. Anyway, <laughs> and I said, thank you. Yeah, I was starting the program before the pandemic and we were taking epidemiology when COVID was still a rumored virus coming out of Wuhan, China. Then of course I started rambling and I said, and also I learned in epi class that it's redundant to say global pandemic because pandemic implies global. And it's so frustrating when you see publications or watch the news and people are saying global pandemic. And Neil deGrasse Tyson looked at me and laughed and he said, it's the burden of knowing too much. <sighs> the burden of knowing too much. Then he asked for my phone to take a selfie of us, and we did, and it was amazing. More than I could have honestly ever asked for out of the whole experience because this man knows the secrets of the universe, and what he said is so real. We're all learning to live with the burden of knowing too much. Millennials are the most educated generation to date, and we're the first generation to experience being inundated with information about what everyone around us is doing all the time. It's a gift and it's a burden, but we keep pushing forward. And that is the millennial dilemma, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the burden of knowing too much, Mike, drop. Hello, and welcome to the Ruby for Your Thoughts podcast. I'm your host, Orlando Ruby, and this is episode 10, the big one Today, we're going to be talking about what I'm calling the millennial dilemma, and honestly, I thought that I had made this up, but apparently it's a real thing. And what made me think of it was, do you guys remember when Steve from Blue's Clues made a video telling us he's okay and how he left Blue's Clues to go to college? And then he gave us a pep talk saying that we're all gonna be okay. <laughs> well, I felt weirdly emotional about it. And I did what any person who is struck by a pop cultural event does. I went on Twitter and quickly realized after scrolling that I wasn't alone. So the first thought that came to my mind was, I think we're all experiencing some sort of existential burnout or millennial dilemma. So yeah, that is what inspired the episode for today. I have a definition and an understanding of what that means to me, but as I was doing the research for my episode, I Googled, what is millennial dilemma? <laughs> and let me tell you, the results were a lot. It was wild, but also very insightful. So I'm going to talk to you about what the millennial dilemma is. Then I'm going to share some insights about the research that is out there. There are actually some full blown reports that are literally called the millennial dilemma. And one was done by Stanford in 2019 for their Pathways magazine on poverty, inequality and social policy. And another report was published in August of 2020 by the New Cities Foundation, which is a global nonprofit committed to shaping an, a better urban future. 
and it's headquartered in Canada. So this report was created with the focus of, you know, how millennials impact the future of urban living, but they also include very interesting insights. So I'll be citing information from both of these reports. And lastly, I'll be discussing an article from the Harvard Business Review titled, Why Your Late 20s is the Worst Time of Your Life. So these will all be linked on the Ruby for Your Thoughts blog post. And then I'm going to end the episode with three things to reflect on after today's episode. And if you're not a millennial, this episode is still important to listen to. And let me tell you why. Because you're either currently working with, managing, or are employed by millennials. And that's straight facts. So gaining perspective is always useful, right? Right. 